The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. Time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Oh, brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, killer drummer with a new rock and roll book out called Hard to Handle, The Life and Death of the Black Crows. Black Crows drummer Steve Gorman going to be talking to Steve in just a second. First, let me thank my sponsor today, one of the great comedy rooms in the entire country, Acme Comedy Club, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where next weekend, hey, my buddy Jeff Cesare is going to be recording his album. We got Advice Corner, we got Fiery Four, and Pop Quiz coming up. Oh, ooh, good show. And as always, before we get to my guest, time for the Waterhouse Update, brought to you by Ice Cream Scones. Get the drier, thicker cone you've always wanted with Ice Cream Scones. NFL Packers, least impressive 2-0 start since Italy beat Corsica and Greece to kick off World War II. Patriots Miami over faster than a Joe Biden anecdote. The 49ers, like Brett Kavanaugh's past, they just keep coming at you. Atlanta scores quicker than Pete Buttigieg spelling his name at a hotel desk. Kansas City, unlike Elizabeth Warren, they've earned the name Chiefs. Giants less comfortable than Mike Pence at a taping of RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, who says I'm not topical? That wrap-up brought to you by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. Infirmary update. Saints Drew Brees suffers a hand injury. He'll see a specialist in L.A. That's what all the actresses say when they're going in for the nose job. Ben Roethlisberger broke his elbow trying to jab awake the Steelers deep. He was rushed to Pittsburgh's. Queen of Foundry Grade Pig Iron Hospital. Angels Mike Trout, done for the year with a foot injury he suffered, kicking himself in the ass for staying in Anaheim. That wrap-up brought to you by Schlatzman's Ultra Dry Beer. So dry, you may not have to pee. College football! Michigan drops out of the top ten on its bye week which is like losing your parking space at work while you're on vacation. South America's pastime, baseball. Oakland's so hot, Chris Hardwick's going to host an A's after show. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 2018, the place Bonneville Salt Flats, Utah. Denise mueller Kornick sets the cycling land speed record for men and women 183.9 miles an hour. Afterwards Denise says, I was really just trying to find an exit where I could pee. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Comatose. 
Catch a snack and a nap with Comatoast. Now it's talk time. My guest today, he took to drums more naturally than Mike Pence takes to stiffness. Killer new book out called Hard to Handle, The Life and Death of the Black Crow. Steve Gorman. Steve, how are you today? Fantastic, Chet. Always a pleasure to speak with you and always a pleasure to be introduced in a Mike Pence reference. Yeah, you can't knock that. Uh, you know, uh, I guess the uh, body type of my guests, and even though you're not in studio, I uh, I know you, and uh, you have the uh, uh, you have the athletic body type of a top shelf grade A soccer hooligan. That that's who you look like to me. But very much by design. That was not random. I oh, so had to, you, it took a lot of work to get there. Trust wow. Me. You chose to train for this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I started off as a soccer player and then reality uh, reared its ugly head. And then, and you know, my dreams gave way to something that was more tangible. And I thought better than playing soccer, I could watch others play soccer while I drink and fight. So it made perfect sense. Now, do they have a, uh, you go to school for this? Is there like something in Leeds or West Ham, perhaps, uh, where you can go and <laughs> study this? Uh, you, could, you could you could call it that. I mean, that's like the last step. If for, for an American, that would be finishing school. All you got to do in my case is live in Kentucky in the 70s and walk around telling people how much you love soccer. And, and you'll learn the fighting part real fast. So it's a, it's a checkered childhood for Steve Gorman. He grew up in the oh, yeah. hard scrapple area of several states, I believe. He started in Michigan and then dropped down to Kentucky. Well, it was Michigan, then Maryland, then Kentucky. It was a, a bit of a zigzag, courtesy of my father, who was, you know, uh, as they say, he was a rolling stone. It just it just took him a while to realize he could move faster without the rest of us. <laughs> So that, that was that's what tripped the divorce papers. <laughs> that was it. It was it. He he launched a plan in the early '60s, but didn't execute till the early '80s. Right, right, right. And part of that, of course, was that uh, that back seat in the station wagon that faces out, and then boom, hey, just ejects you right into the highway. Chet, you know this, but your listeners might not. I'm the youngest of eight, and this you're talking about a family that had two of those station wagons. Wow. Because that's what it took to get everyone to mass on Sunday. Holy smokes. That's, yeah. uh, uh, boy, the priest must have liked seeing you guys coming. There's yeah, a, no, no hey, there's two cars full of kids. You're taking the older kids on Saturday night or whatever. No, we're all going together as one unit. <laughs> sure, sure. More altar boy victims that way. Now, listen to me. Before we get into the whole rock and roll of it all, uh, uh, you played a little sports yourself. What's the worst coach you ever had? Oh, boy. The worst coach I ever had. Um, Sounds like there's several to choose from. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, well, well, I, it'd be much easier to say who's the best coach you ever had because there's, 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 I had one soccer coach for two years, and I had a basketball coach for two years that were great. Everybody else literally just – it was a small school in a small town, and the coaching interview was conducted. It was usually after something like, okay, so you can do English – and human sexuality. Do you know anything about basketball? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, when 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 coaches say, actually, what I really am is a teacher, that shit was literal at my school. You had to be a teacher, and then if you knew how to blow a whistle, you could pretty much coach a team. And if you knew the term literal, they elevated you right to the head of the English department. Big, 
big boost in your career with that, for sure. So now what made you think you could drum? What in the, when, in the course of uh, the Steve Gorman lineage, uh, the, the, the lifeline, did you go, oh, this other stuff is crap. Hang on here. I think I got a skill. Early, actually. I, I didn't act on it for a long time, but, but I, I don't remember not thinking I could drum. That was like a lifelong thing. I had an older brother. I still have an older brother, uh, but at the time he was playing guitar in a, in a garage band and they were, I have a very early memory of, of he and his band knocking out a little grand funk closer to home in the garage. Sure. And zooming in on the drummer and thinking I could do that. And then I was always air drumming from, from day one uh, when music was on. I just always heard the drums loud and clear and w- was, was focused on that. I'm and, getting uh, but, you know, closer to my yeah. home. Oh, yeah. Love that song. Yeah, on, man, that's, there's some good fills in that, too. And you go back, you'll yeah. be like, boy, Don, Don didn't hold back from the Tom Toms ever, really. No, no. He knew how to set them up, and he knew how to play them. He knew how to tear them down. That was back before roadies. You had to do it all yourself. But that seemed <laughs> to appeal to the gals more because then they could sure. see the sweating and all the muscles. So well, now, listen, the, you learn all of that. Work, they want to see a real work ethic, Chet, in addition. <laughs> to the glamour and glitz. Yeah, they want to know that what, when push comes to shove, you're going to keep a roof over their head. That's what girls love, a work ethic. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so now when do you hook up with the Robinson boys? Those, those crazy boys. Was that like a bar I, bet? I, you know what? I moved to Atlanta on a lark with a friend from high school who had started playing guitar. He called me during my senior year of college at Western Kentucky, he called and said, Hey, you're playing drums, right? And I said, yes, I am. And the truth was, no, I wasn't, but I just needed a reason to start. Sure. And, uh, and I said, yeah. And he goes, do you want to, do you want to start a band with me? And I said, yes, I do. And it was, it was honestly that simple. He was a guy that I thought, well, if I was going to do something with somebody, it would be him. So I did move to Atlanta to meet up with him. And Chris Robinson was his roommate so Chris was the first new person I met the day I moved there. And that, that led to a calamitous decision five months later where I decided <laughs> to leave behind the band I moved to start and join Chris and his brother Rich in what was then called Mr. Crow's Garden. Well, yeah, yeah, so serendipity. Nay, I say Kismet is involved in, in this, and that's kind of beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's it's... You know, you, you make decisions all the time in life that you have no concept of how they're going to play out and if they're ever going to matter on any level. And, uh, but I can say at the time, leaving one local band that was not very good to join another local band that was not very good did feel like it was a big deal in in the moment, yes. which was <laughs> right. Which just just lets you know how absurd I was at the time in my own head. Well, you know, I got a, a, a hunch that there's uh, some substances involved in a lot of this stuff. Let, uh, let's get to the book. Uh, hard to handle. Uh, Life and death of, of of the of the Black Crows. Now it seems, in a way, uh, you know the kind of events I call. I call like the over sixty five lumberjack games, and I sure. call uh, you know I call uh, speed fishing and stuff like that. So, but but from the outset, well, Chet, Chet, let me let me let me correct you. You don't call speed fishing to me and many other Americans. You are speed fishing. Thank you very much. I am the voice of speed fishing for sure. Uh, yep. Up there in Cheddar Falls, Wisconsin, International Speed Fishing Championships. Incidentally, uh, the Japanese are training uh, in secret. I have no idea what they're up to this year. 
<laughs> None. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sending out a warning to the Norwegians and the Icelandic uh, team. Uh, they're in, tr- they're in for trouble this year. Well, uh, test it, the weight on that line. That's all I got to say. Yes, exactly. It seems more rock and roll to me that a band hits the top and then falls apart at some point. It, it, you know, I know everybody likes a happy ending, and the Rolling Stones are are, are, are still doing it. You know, well into their nineties, uh, uh, but it, it seems more true to rock and roll that it goes incredibly well and then it just kind of the scaffolding just gets kicked out from under you well if that's the case then we're the band for you (laughs) (laughs) you know we were we were dubbed by a journalist the most rock and roll rock and roll band in the world and uh and again going by by the parameters you have laid out then my god we are we are that we are it get that book and and just enjoy enjoy the pain when did you feel, and I'm sure it's in the book, but tease us a little bit. When did you feel like, did you know on the way up this was still a crazy train? That was never in doubt. I, it was, it was. <laughs> so like instant, the first time you met Chris, you knew it was a crazy train. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, I hesitated to, to join his band because I was just thinking the whole time, like, this guy's out of his mind. Uh, he's funny and we get along, but he's crazy. And, and I was right, but you know, I was right on both counts. Um, it made sense to join the band and it was going to be nuts. And it was, um, on the first, the first album came out in Jan in February of 1990. And by that summer we were out opening for Aerosmith in arenas, which was a really big thing for a band that had never played in front of, you know, 200 people before that year. And during that first arena tour, there was a sign that things were about to blow up and the record was about to go gold and the radio was really embracing us. And I remember on a night off in Columbus, Ohio, sitting with my bass player, Johnny Colt, and we were sitting there going, they're going to they're going to ruin this whole thing, aren't they? They're going to destroy. We're, they're going to blow this thing up. <laughs> and uh, that was 1990. And in 2013, we were still on the road going, man, this thing's going to, I mean, they're just going to kill this thing. And it, it just, it took a little longer than I would have expected, but yes, eventually they definitely did kill that thing. Uh, like cheap cement. It takes a while, but then all of a sudden you look up one day and you go, my driveway is a mess. That's <laughs> exactly that. You know what? You just, I didn't even need to write the book. I could have just said that. <laughs> now, psychological price for Steve Gorman uh, to have to deal with that for 20 plus years, knowing, uh, you know, that you're on the rocky shoals uh, yet not uh, crashing into, into the shore just yet. How, how do you handle that? How, what did it do to you? Uh, it, it, well, you know, in all sincerity, it was really difficult early. I guess by the time I was, you know, I, I turned 30 in 1995 and, and I remember being just, all I felt was relief, <laughs> you know, not, Oh God, I'm getting old and not, Oh no, it's all behind me. I just was like, Oh, thank God. Cause at 30, I gave myself permission to not get so wrapped up in all of the drama that other people were producing on a daily basis. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm good. If this thing's going to, you know, this is not going to kill me. I've made it this far. And it, and it got progressively uh, easier. Some some really hard times for other guys followed, and it was tough to see other people go through things. But I had gone through it all so much earlier that I was pretty much good after that. A maturity that defies the position of the drum chair. Now, listen to me. Uh, craziest gig you ever played with the, with the, with the Crows? Um, the, in 1991, we played in Moscow when it was still the Soviet Union about two months before that whole thing fully unraveled. 
Uh, we run the Monsters of Rock Tour, ACDC. You may have heard of them, an Australian outfit. Uh, sure, I'm back in black. And Metallica, right at their Black Album, was just coming out. Oh, so those were like the two biggest rock bands on earth. And there was a few other bands on that tour, Motley Crue and Queensryche, and then the Black Crows. We kind of stuck out. We weren't as hard as the other bands. But that was our first album, and we were the opening band. And in September of 91, we all went to Moscow. And uh, and it was like being in the wild. It was like an episode of Deadwood with uh, nowhere near as fluid a language. And uh, you could just tell, like, no one's in charge. It was, you know, the end of, of the Soviet Union was a lot like the... Uh, it was it was a frontier, you know. It was like whoever has the biggest star is in, is the sheriff, you know. And right, it was right. It was a real sense of lawlessness and confusion and and genuine panic in the air. You could feel it, like you know, like lick your finger and stick it up into the wind. It so it's a, like a, it's a slightly larger version of the Black Crows. <laughs> pretty pretty much, it was it was exactly it was a macrocosm of the bus <laughs> that we'd spent the previous twenty months on. <laughs> So, so that that had to so, be insane. So we played at an airfield outside of town, That's and there safe. were over six hundred thousand people there. Good lord! And six hundred thousand people actually looks bigger than you can imagine. Wow! <laughs> it just goes forever, and the and in Russia, that's there. an average crowd. Well, they, well, they were apologizing. They really wanted a million, and they kept saying, "We're so sorry about the turnout," and we're all going, "Yeah, it's okay. We're going to be okay as long as our plane takes off tonight. We'll all be fine." Uh, but, but the security for the event was forty thousand soldiers, Red Army soldiers, and wow. they they didn't, you know, they don't operate the way security teams at concerts in America do. They just pull out sticks and whips and beat the living snot out of fans who get unruly. So it was pretty brutal. Wow. And then and then as we were leaving, and then I'll wrap this up, but this is the weirdest thing ever, and you asked. As we were preparing to leave the site and go back to the airport, the soldiers backstage were all begging us to trade things. Like a Black Coast t-shirt was worth a lot to them on the black market. And we all, at the end of the day, we all left with their uniforms. I still have full-length wool Soviet Army overcoats. Good and Lord. belts and uh, they were just giving us they didn't give it the guy wouldn't give me a gun but he gave me like his holster and a, and a, and a soldier was literally trying to give me his jeep <laughs> i was like it's not gonna fit on the plane dude well they'll, they'll, they'll probably give you a plane to take it home that's amazing oh, they, well, and they and then of course they were they were we had a bus to take us to the airport and there was two or three guys on the bus and our interpreters were telling them they had to get off, and they were looking at us in, in Russian, begging us to take us, take them with us. It was brutal. It was like it was like it was like an entire, the entire. It was like it was like Saigon in '75. That's what it felt yeah, like. Yeah, except not, uh, not, not quite as hot, and not the quite yeah. as good, but not, not know, quite as muggy. The food not as good, and probably the chopper is a little less reliable. Is, is my well, guess? Much, the Soviet much Union less in '91, because they're yeah. trading you, uh, they're trading you like nuts and bolts. For a black no, they were, they were, they were, yeah, I, I don't want to know what kind of uh, fuel was in those choppers that were buzzing the crowd throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, that's not racing fuel there. We would call helicopter fuel, I'm sure. It's probably horse piss. <laughs> that anecdote brought to you by Incognito. You'd never guess we're plumbers. And Pandemodium. Get rid of your <laughs> diarrhea in one chaotic blast with Pandemodium. So, yes, Steve Gorman. a story from Argentina in 97. That's a whole different situation for me. Well, tell me that one. Is it, oh, that, that, that's where you needed some Pandemodium? 
Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's where uh, th- there wasn't enough cement in the world to keep me f- clogged up for a show that I needed. But listen, again, that's for another day. <laughs> well, that's in the book. Let's be honest. Let's leave. Let's leave some of it uh, for the book. The book is titled "Hard to Handle: The Life and Death of the Black Crows" by its own drummer, Steve Gorman. So, uh, when do you go? I got to write this story. I got to get this all down, and I'm the only one mature enough to handle the job of writing it uh, from the inside. So it it falls upon you and uh, you uh, grabbed it the cudgel and I think, are I think, beating I think everybody the band, over the head with it when the band finally did explode into a billion pieces in 2014 the reasoning behind it and the the things that led to it were so stupid and at that point somehow still unexpected at least in how it went down and it never really sat well but in 2016 our uh, original uh, keyboard player and, and a huge part of the black crows eddie harsh died and something about him dying really just flipped a gear in my brain that said, you know what, it, it, I got to do this. It's uh, and it's and it's funny because it's a memoir by design. It's not a history of the Black Crows. It's my story in the Black Crows. So as much as everybody's reading it as it's a story about the band, it's my story and the band are all characters in it. But it's it's very much my view of things and my perspective on things. I mean, nothing is. Everything that's in there happened, but of course, people have different viewpoints, and I'm sure that it, that that some parts of the book will be met with, "Oh, come on!" But it's all, it's how it all went down, and it's how I saw it. And more more importantly, it's it's really about how everything felt to me, which was at times incredibly, you know, you from from absolute euphoria to the the dregs of despair, in minute to minute, in, in that band. That emotional roller coaster brought to you by Buckshot, the deer flavored tequila. Now this radio show too. You got you had a radio show now. You went, yeah, right, yeah. My, my second, oddly enough, uh, Steve Gorman's Sports was shuttered a year ago uh, in September, and then just uh, this past week, I started a new show called Steve Gorman Rocks, which is uh, syndicated nationwide through the Westwood One Cumulus family of radio stations. Steve Gorman rocks. Now, where can we hear that? That's on like uh, uh, 20, 30 stations around the country, something like that? It's, uh, it's, I think it's about 30, and it's um, and apparently after one week, we picked up a few more. Um, nice. There's a there's a growth chart that we're hoping to uh, to expand <laughs> with. We'll, we'll be moving, moving throughout the U.S. and Canada. So you have to weigh this on a baby scale every week. Nutritional progress on it. That's impressive. Uh, well, well uh, listen to me. Uh, I got a bona fide big time rock and roll drummer with me, folks. Time for advice corner. Actual takeaway from the great Steve Gorman, the drummer for the Black Crows, who's written an incredible book, Hard to Handle the Life and Death of the Black Crows. Okay, I'm going to ask you five questions. You never know those kids out there, Steve, who may be thinking about following your uh, footsteps into the music business. Let's, let's see if we can't give them some advice here. First of all, first question Should they follow your footsteps into the music business? Oh, absolutely. You should absolutely do that. The thing you should do differently is pull the ripcord about 18 to 24 months in. <laughs> just, just ride it out for, for two years and get out. Go, go, go sow all your wild oats and then wake up to reality that it's 2019. By the time you're pulling stakes up, it'll be 2021 or 2022, and there might not even be rock music anymore. Yeah, that's true. Question yeah. number two, travel tip. This is a guy who's been around the world. What's your best travel tip? 
always know where a, cl- a clean laundromat and a good place to get breakfast are. That's really all you need. Yeah, that's true because that's your time away from the bus. Oh, I that's can, so I brilliant. Can, I can, hey, listen, I can get you a great breakfast and a clean laundromat in dozens of American cities to this day. <laughs> I think that's your next book. Uh, okay, question number three. Uh, how do you know? When a gig's going south, when you're on, I mean, when you're on stage, what's the sign that a gig's going south? You eat, well, the, 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 somebody looks at you with a level of spite that, that up to that moment you didn't know was possible within one human. Um, from the crowd sure sign <laughs> from the crowd There's, or from the band? No, from the band. I'm oh, saying. from the from, band. From a band band. <laughs> no, if, if the audience hates you, that, that means nothing. If, if, <laughs> if your singer or your guitarist or your bass player hates you then we got a deal, we got it. We got a problem. Um, you know, when you find yourself thinking about any number of things other than what you're actually doing, uh, that's a sign that, that the gig's yeah. in trouble and, yeah. and we've all been there, you know? Yeah, when you're thinking about, hey, you know something? I think the fill float on my hotel toilet's not functioning right. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's like, oh, wait, it's that thing, that thing you just oh, take off the lid in the back, and then you just <laughs> jiggle it a little. That's why that's running all night. Okay, yeah, and then someone's looking at you going, you missed the turnaround. And I'm like, yeah, but I fixed the toilet. <laughs> exactly. Bass and, and your guitar is so fucking loud, no one in the audience <laughs> noticed that I missed the turnaround. <laughs> So now the key to drumming. What, what do you think is the key? I saw a tweet on this uh, years, and I, th- I thought it was uh, top notch. You had one word that you repeated over and over again. Feel, baby, feel. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, you know, I, I love drummers that are technically proficient. That's cool. But at the end of the day, if it's rock and roll music, you know, those guys are like, that's your punt passing kick champion. Yeah, you know? right, right. Show me who's, show me who's, you know hitting all of their blocks and making the right catch and getting to the out of bounds line. Who's playing music out there? That's what I'm interested in. Who's making everybody else way better with what they're doing on the drum kit. That's the whole key. Now, how do you deal with uh, 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 regrets as a musician? So if, if there's a kid out there thinking, Ooh, I should have done this or I should have done that, or maybe I should have done, you know, this a little different. You know this Chet, we've talked about this in the moment when you flub a fill, the first thing you do is play it exactly that same way again. <laughs> so, never oh, let them know. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, they might go, what does he do? Oh, well, at least he meant to do that. You know, it's better to sure. have them questioning your taste in the moment than your ability in the moment. Oh, so it's a three-stage thing. Yeah, they're listening to yeah. you the first time. They think uh, that might be a mistake. The second time they think, no, that's the actual fill. The third time they think, oh, crap, now i got to go to the practice room and learn that fill. That's exactly right. Wow, he, I didn't know he was a jazzer. <laughs> that's impressive. That Advice Corner brought to you by U-Drive, the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. <laughs> Now, finally, it's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Steve, these are sports takes hotter than your book and your new radio show. Fire number one. Is this the year Michigan beats Ohio State? No, God, no. Come on. We gave that up in 2006. But if we can't beat Ohio State the day after General George S. Patton Bo Schembechler dies, we're never going to beat Ohio State. Come on now. Question number two. All right, listen to me. Uh, the Titans, which one is the real team, week one or week two? You're a Nashville guy. 
Oh, I'm a Nashville guy. Uh, they're both as real as it gets. Playing against Cleveland? Sure. <laughs> Playing a division foe that's beaten us 57 straight times? Sure. We're going to lay down <laughs> at home with a fourth quarter lead. Who's questioning this? If you look up Catania in the dictionary from the Latin for eight and eight is what you will find. That's right. <laughs> just, just dead equal. Yeah, yeah. No, just, you know, this is the team a year ago that yeah. beat the Patriots at home and lost to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo a week later. It's just what it is. Well, you know something? In its own way, it's very impressive. Fire number three! All right, Serena Williams, can she win another Grand Slam? Or uh, is age just uh, just creeping up on uh, creeping up on her? Uh, I think she can, and I think the more that we all say she can't, the more likely that is going to happen. Uh, I would not bet. I'm, you know, Serena and Tom Brady have both crossed that line for me. Where until I literally see them with their feet up on, you know, the the coffee table yeah. in a bathrobe at, at game time, I'm not going to bet against them ever again. <laughs> So literally cut to Serena in the locker room. Yeah. In a lounge chair. Yeah. Feet up. Yeah. Rope tied, sucking a beer yeah. going, you know something? I have finally had it. That's when you'll believe she's out. You you would have to add a cigarette to that image, actually. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Let's throw a little black crows in there. And finally, fire number four. Who's winning the World Series this year? Steve Gorman from the Black Crows. Go. Wow. If I could, I, 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 I've not seen one second of baseball. I've not paid any attention. Much so like most of America. Mind, with that, well, see, see, I'm as, I'm as red, white, and blue as Uncle Sam in that regard. That's right. So with that in mind, knowing it's not going to be the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, which is your team. Let me just take a, a, a shot in the dark and say – Oh gosh, I don't know the Brewers. I don't know. Who's good this year? I well, have no hey, idea. the Brewers could sneak in as a wild card in the NL, and that's just as good as anybody. I'm not sure anybody outside of the Dodgers uh, and maybe a streaking Oakland A's team, uh, which is suddenly 30 games over 500. Uh, I don't think anybody else has the pitching that that that's going to take you deep into the postseason. And as you know, that you're going to need pitching. Uh, well, listen, that's, that's more baseball talk than I've had in six months, so thank you for that. My pleasure. That Fiery Four brought to you by Medieval Knievel, the jousting daredevil. Now, I understand you may have a pop quiz for me. This is going to be three questions, factual answers. You know the drill. It could be any trivia. It could be food. could be sports. could be music. could be things from your book. I'll try to answer them. You ask them of me, but hang on first because we, uh, we got a theme song for this hey, here. Here we go. Pop, pop, quiz. Not bad, huh? I like that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think uh, I think you could lay some heavy drums underneath that, and we could go somewhere with that. Well, with technology today, just send me the file and then <laughs> sit back and wait for the magic. <laughs> And all right, this is Steve Gorman. Uh, incidentally, uh, folks, he's written an incredible book called uh, uh, Hard to Handle the Life and Death of the Black Crows. He's got a, a new show uh, syndicated uh, called uh, Steve Gorman Rocks. Um, and he now has a pop quiz for me, Chet Waterhouse. Let me hear it. Any questions? I guess I'd say if you're ordering a Reuben and they say, okay, we don't have any rye, what bread do you go with? Pumpernickel. 
Okay, what if they don't have that? Sorry. You know, neither the pumpernickel or the rye or the swirl. Keto. Is, is a Reuben still a Reuben if it's on wheat? I guess that's really what I'm asking. No, it is not. You go, that your better bet is to just have them lay it on a plate with no bread. Bacon. Oh, that's true. Put a little bacon around it. That'll hold it together and get you <laughs> get get your steak knife out and just go at it. You don't need that crap. They yeah, don't no, have pumpernickel no. or rye. Get out of there. Get out of there. No. It's not there. There isn't a Jewish person within 17 miles of that deli. They don't have pumpernickel or rye. They're trying to slap right, it on sourdough. Two. Probably question put it on a white two. cracker. I'm off on a rant now. Question two. Yes, sir. You got you got you got a time machine and you got to go see one concert and it's 19. It's 1970, whatever you want it to be, and it's a band you never got to see, at least in their heyday. Who are you going to see? Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, what an answer. No yeah. doubt. Oh, yeah. Hot fun yeah, in the summertime. Out of that room. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's my era. A lot of the stuff that came after that, I wasn't able to hear it because I didn't uh, have a, I couldn't, I couldn't afford a newer device. So uh, I, I have like a hand crank uh, Walkman. Yeah, it's like uh, you just keep cranking it and listening, so I still listen to Sly and the Family Stone. I, mean, I think I'm 2-0 and o so far. We'll you're, take this third you're two, question. You're two, for, you're two for two. Wow. Let me think of another one real quick. Okay, here it is. Is there another sports, that was quick. Is there another sports law that is more obvious and yet more consistently ignored than this? The Chicago Bears are not allowed to have a good quarterback. Oh, because, no. I mean, in my lifetime, Jim McMahon's the best quarterback they've ever had. And the truth is, he wasn't that great. No, no, no. Uh, they are, there's clearly a law that says this team with that fan base in the third biggest market in America is never going to have a great quarterback. Is there another thing that you can think of like that that's just so obvious, yet we never really discuss it? No, I don't think there is, except there is no actual traveling in the NBA, apparently. But no, th- no. Th- that's, that's too specific. I like the I like the zeitgeist of what you're talking about with the Bears. Yeah, I would agree with you. No, so I'm going to take a half a point. I got two and a half points out of three questions. That's not bad. Not bad at all. That pop quiz brought to you by Grape Canaveral, the box wine NASA trusts. All right, my guest today, the great Steve Gorman, by his book, Hard to Handle: The Life and Death of the Black Crows. I think it drops like, in a week, right? It's September twenty fourth. It's available everywhere. You can pre order it right now. And by God, those bestseller lists love the pre order. So hook a brother up, would you? Yeah, do the pre order. Hard to handle the life and death of the Black Crows by Steve Gorman. It's getting better reviews than a new strip club in Miami. And catch that new uh, classic rock radio show that Steve's hosting called Steve Gorman Rocks. Steve, thank you so much for coming on. It's always my distinct pleasure. And if I could add one more. One more takeaway to the promotion basket, if you will. Hey, please. The new Trigger Hippie album, October 11th, Full Circle and then some. One of the greatest new names for a band ever, Trigger Hippie. And you're drumming in that. Yes, I am. That's impressive. And don't tell anyone else, but uh, background vocals and produce this thing. So, you know, just set up the flagpole, for God's sakes. Man, oh, man, oh, man, you settle down once you drop the liquor. 
All yeah, those... it makes a big difference. Two all years those... on Saturday without a drink. True story. <laughs> all That's those uh, all those other traits start start just coming out. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and follow my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Visit JeffCesario.com for upcoming dates. Hey, end of September at Acme. Cesario's cutting that album. You got to go, Minneapolis. Uh, so yeah. listen, uh, folks, uh, uh, here's the deal. Uh, buy his book. Uh, Steve, I'm going to kill you. What's the name of it? Hard to handle the life and death of the Black Crows. Listening uh, to his, uh, listen to his, uh, his radio show. What's it called? Steve Gorman rocks. And if you're in the Nashville area, or sometimes nationally, listen to his brand new band. They're called Trigger Hippie, with an album that drops soon, which is uh, Full Circle and then some, October 11th. And then, just for the hell of it, thanks, Tom Bernard, the voice of rock and roll. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.